Joe Biden is writing himself weird chicken scratch notes. A freak protester storms the stage during an Avril Lavigne presentation and gets owned by Miss Skater Boy herself. And Jesse Smollett is the loser who just keeps losing. It's time for my Losers of the Week, and the show starts now. Tomorrow is St. Paddy's Day, and while I assume most Irish people will not be offended by you appropriating their culture in your green, leprechaun, and shamrock-affiliated attire, my next three mentions will likely be pretty offended if you act like a loser today and appropriate their culture. First up is our least favorite president, but our favorite loser, Joe Biden. This week, he tweeted out a cute little letter from a little girl asking him to fix the non-existent gender wage gap. And the internet was quick to assert the letter, similar to said pay gap, is fake. The letter was allegedly written by a little girl named Charlotte, and by little girl named Charlotte, I mean Joe Biden. Now look, I can't prove Joe wrote this letter to himself, but all the signs are there. Everything from the handwriting to this freelance interpretation of the English language, all very Joe Brandon-esque. Now that alone would be enough to name Joe Biden a loser this week, but there's more to this than meets the eye. First of all, it's been reported that while in the Senate, Joe paid females less than their male counterparts, so there's that. But then there's also Joe's response to take into account, where he responded, I'm committed to building an economy where my daughters have the same rights and opportunities as my sons. So let's unpack that. First of all, I thought Joe and the collective left didn't recognize gender, so to bring up women's rights at at this juncture is a little rich. But furthermore, it would take a lot, and I mean a whole lot for anyone to have the same opportunities as your son. Ain't that right, big guy? But on to loser two this week. The freak show who rushed rushed the stage during Avril Lavigne's presentation at the Canadian Juno Awards this week. Now the girl, I'm assuming her gender, sorry, was topless and had phrases like land back and stop logging growth now written on her flesh. She's a loser, but Avril Lavigne's response, it was a win. Top records fused with his Punjabi roots, based in Victoria, BC, his music has gained a worldwide audience with sold out shows in Canada, the US. You know, I love how calm, cool, and collected Avril remained, especially as her eyeballs were likely singed at that sight. I'd like to see one of these freaks pull something like that at a country show, not like a Marin Morris show, but a real country music concert. But speaking of performances, on to my last loser of the week, faux Jesse Smollett. Now, if you recall, Jesse was caught for staging a fake hate crime against himself, and while his sentence was as light as his talent, he was likely he has likely been irreparably embarrassed by the whole thing, especially now that the brothers whom he paid to fake attack him have spoken out. As we cross the street, we said hey to get his attention. Hey, Nick. Hey. He turned around, looked at us, and that's when we started yelling uh, the famous slurs he wanted us to yell. Hey, aren't you that empire? Hey, empire fat Nick. It's MAGA country. Yeah. And then he said, what did you say to me? And then that's when I threw the first punch at him. He wanted it to look like he fought back. Then I threw him to the ground. After I threw him to the ground, I used my knuckle and gave him a noogie. So I went like this. Why did I do that? To give him a scar, to give him a mark, to make it look real like he really did get his ass beat. 
In a Fox Nation exclusive interview, they slammed Smollett as a crazy fraudster who paid them for the ambush so he could be seen as a poster boy for activism. <laughs> well, he's the poster boy for losers everywhere, and may I suggest he and Colin Kaepernick team up with the Ghostbusters to fight their imaginary oppression. Those are my losers of the week, and I hope you enjoy them as much as I did. But still ahead, I may have already selected my losers of the week, but the leftist lunacy is literally limitless. My Fox News colleague Joe Concha is here to help me assess all of the madness. That's next. Yesterday, and I regret to say this, but yesterday, my alma mater, UNLV, hosted our illustrious president, and he did not disappoint. Oh, wow, I didn't see you all up there. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Don't jump. Don't. <laughs> oh, needless to say, I will not be donating to UNLV anytime soon, so y'all can stop shaking me down for money with your endless Alumni Association mailers. Joining me now with his reaction to that and more is my Fox News colleague, and I believe my Friday night Waters primetime sinker swim opponent, Joe Concha. You're going down, Laren. Down I'm big time. I'm just glad that they left you as my opponent because, you know, things change all the time and I didn't want them to, you know, slip Leo Terrell in there and then I would have had this whole thing wrong. So I will see you uh, in New York on Friday night and we'll have some fun. But, you know, I know who would definitely sink and not swim and that's our president. I saw you tweeted out that little video of Joe and this is not the first time he has told people not to jump from balconies. I mean, the yeah. humor here, if someone else that was a little bit more acute would have said it, it could have been funny, but for him it just... I don't think it lands. He has a profoundly odd sense of humor, doesn't he, Tommy? I mean, I, I mean, it, 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 the dude, he does this joke over and over again. Don't jump. And I guess it's supposed to be funny, but it just doesn't make any, any sense. And he does this a lot with things, right? He tells stories of things that never happened, for example, like getting arrested in South Africa as a sitting U.S. senator trying to see Nelson Mandela at the height of apartheid. It never happened, right? And he said he got arrested during civil rights marches, which he never participated in. Uh, he said he got arrested one time just for being on the porch of a black family during a civil rights protest. It never happened. And I could go on and on. This is a guy, after all, 35 years ago, he ran for president. I believe that was even before you were born, uh, where he had to drop out because of plagiarism with a capital P kind of plagiarism. So this is Joe Biden. He's just a weird guy. Now he's in his 80s. So uh, he's not quite there as we see time and time again. And for two straight days this week, Tommy, uh, his day began at 1130 a.m. 11.30 a.m. He got the daily briefing. That's a security briefing. I don't know if I'm China and I'm going to Taiwan, I guess just set the alarm early and they should be fine because our commander in chief doesn't start his day until I used to start my day at the University of Maryland uh, after uh, a long bender the night before. Well, we don't know what Joe's doing at night, but I'm glad you referenced that because Jen Psaki, of course, said that because he delivered an address at 9 a.m., he doesn't do anything at 9 a.m. because he's a night owl. I don't believe that he's a night owl. I just believe that he probably sleeps a lot and doesn't get up. And again, how sad for the state of our country that somebody that used to be his press secretary is admitting that and also putting that in the win column for Joe. Like, thank God he got up before 9 a.m. today. We should all be so grateful. I think that's what really got to me on that one.
Yeah, the, the night owl thing, uh, Jen Psaki must have been talking about during the winter, it gets dark on the East Coast around like 5, 5.30. So maybe he's up till 6, 6.30 when it's dark out, and, and that's about that. But boy, uh, Psaki, you can see why CNN and MSNBC had a bidding war on for her services. I mean, talk about accidentally telling the truth about somebody. Uh, and she has a show actually starting this weekend. Uh, so they, they they pay her all this money so she can host a show at noon. <laughs> <laughs> on the weekends that that's uh, that's money well spent but yeah overall that's the thing about this president show that you care then i at least will give you some points for trying when east palestine turns into the, the u.s version of chernobyl maybe you want to go there and visit with people in the rust belt the people that you say you used to represent when you lived in scranton uh yeah uh, he, he still hasn't gone and he never will go or to the U.S. southern border in any real capacity. You know, the hot spots down there, uh, La Jolla, Eagle Pass. Visit the real places where this catastrophe is happening. But he doesn't do it because he doesn't have the work ethic and he simply doesn't care, despite the fact that we we hear that he cares so much about the little guy. No, he cares about his own self-preservation, Tommy. He certainly does. And he doesn't have time to go to East Palestine, Ohio, but he has time to go sit with the Jokers on The Daily Show and talk about how it's parents' love for their children that allows them to have gender-affirming care and transition to another gender. I want to talk to you about that, Joe, because, you know, you've probably seen the headlines here in Tennessee. We're not doing that anymore. We're not having adults dress up like women and strip in front of children. We just don't quite go for that here in the volunteer state. But I want to get your take on it because they're certainly upset with us. Kareem Jean-Pierre, Joe Biden, of course, the collective left is outraged that we don't want adults to dance for children. What do you make of that? I'll put on my, my parent hat for a moment. I got a first and a third grader. And do you think I want them to see any show like that? You're crazy. And that doesn't mean, oh, because you're a conservative. No, no, I'm a normal person. This isn't about conservative and it isn't about liberal or independent. Any parent doesn't want to see their kids exposed to this sort of thing. And, and good job, T Tennessee. I mean, Pete Hegsgit, Tommy Laren, two smart people in my world who were smart enough to get, get over to there and make that their permanent home. I may be joining you soon uh, if New Jersey keeps going as blue as it is at this point. But yeah, it's, it's just simple stuff. Don't do drag shows in front of children. You want to do a drag show in front of an adult? I don't care. But when kids are involved, that's where you got to draw the line. And Ron DeSantis is doing the same uh, to a drag show, I believe, that's happening in Miami. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the, the red states seem to get it that this is what parents want. And the blue states and the Kareem Jean-Pierre's and even the president of the United States uh, is on the other side of this, which is the side of insanity, Tommy. And they market it very well. I'm going to get into Ron DeSantis in a little bit, but I want to go to, and I don't even really know this dude's name, really, Doug Emhoff, I believe, the second dude, yeah. Kamala's husband. You know, he made a nice little remark, once again, bringing up the Holocaust and likening it to, you know, conservatives. Let's take a listen. Oh. To talk about how we can combat hate and anti-Semitism. I also met some Ukrainian refugees who were there, uh, and we need to support them. And I met one woman who was saved in the Holocaust in Germany, settled in Ukraine, and is now a refugee again back in Berlin, where she originally left as a, as a Jew in the Holocaust. So you can't, these are the stories that are happening out there. And so this stuff is so important. This hate is interconnected. You see it in the discourse in the country right now. You see it in the, in the divide that we have and that just going to, the school meeting, you see that, that hate that is out there. We've got to step up and speak out, and we've got to call out the cowards out there. 
So, Joe, this is exactly why House Republicans brought up that Parents' Bill of Rights, because now parents have been compared to domestic terrorists, and now they are Nazi sympathizers at school board meetings if they stand up and talk about concern over curriculum, masks, and the like. So what do you make of him? You know, I don't think he really moves the radar for anybody. He's kind of vanilla at best. But this kind of thing is what the left goes with, and that's their favorite argument, that we are evil, we are mega-Republicans. Yesterday, also at UNLV, Joe said that we are a different breed of cat than your father's Republican Party. So now we're cats, too, I guess. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, he also said that, the president did, uh, that Republicans wanted to fund the police. I, I mean, it's enough to make your hair hurt. I, I get that politicians embellish sometimes and try to spin an argument, but that's from a different galaxy uh, type of thing. I mean, and we've heard it said before, too, which is incredible. As for Doug Emhoff, uh, you're right. You could do uh, Tommy on the street type of interviews, and I would say probably 96, 97 out of 100 people would not know who that person is, and he's only married to, to the vice president, right? But Doug Emhoff and I uh, don't have one thing in common. We don't have several things in common, but one big thing in common. Uh, let's check. I don't think the vice president uh, and her husband have kids, right? So, uh, yeah, he knows exactly what's going on at school board meetings. No, he doesn't, actually. This is why Virginia went red, right? Virginia was becoming a profoundly blue state until Glenn Youngkin ran on education, ran on parents' rights, just as DeSantis is in Florida. And he ended up winning a state that Joe Biden won by double digits in 2020 on the education issue, on the transparency issue in terms of parents. All we want to do, again, this is not a conservative argument. I would think it's just sober and logical. All we want is to know what our kids are being taught. And if it's something inappropriate or something that I as a parent or my wife should be having with my kids, then we have the conversation at home. Don't force teachers to teach about sexual orientation, gender identification to kindergartners. I have a first grader. He just wants to be an astronaut and learn about the solar system. He doesn't want to know about who's a boy and who's a girl and sex and all that stuff. So that's the thing here. They're so out of touch on this. Uh, Democrats are that I think in 2024, whoever the Republican nominee is, I would make this a top two issue, educating our children. Because right now, Tommy, we just saw a 30-year low in test scores in this country as a result of COVID lockdowns and then taking our eye off the ball and teaching about race, 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 and sex, sex, sex all the time instead of, I don't know, reading, writing, science, math, that sort of thing. Because China's number one, and we're trailing Slovenia and Estonia in terms of our <laughs> test scores. What does that say to you, Tommy? Well, it doesn't make me very proud, uh, I will tell you that. But I want to go back to 2024. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We're going to have it many more times. Uh, we had it on Hannity as well. And you're right. You know, even I was on uh, Hannity the other night. I echoed some of the similar arguments I made a couple weeks ago. Of course, the, the diehard Trump supporters came after me. But the videos of him going after Ron DeSantis and just trying to convince everybody that Florida is actually not that great or that it was great under Democrats, too. I really don't get it, but the Trump loyalists out there that will be Trump loyalists no matter what, they love it. And I'm wondering, because Hannity asked me this question, I wonder if the negative attacks are going to work. Or I wonder if all those DeSantis supporters are going to be even further inspired by his eventual announcement because of these attacks. What do you think? Are they working or are they not? I think it ain't 2016 anymore, Tommy. I think those attacks worked then, particularly against Jeb Bush, what low energy Jeb. It defied, uh, defined, I should say, uh, Jeb Bush, right? And and Trump was successful with that. And and Lion Ted Cruz and Little Marco Rubio and Crooked Hillary. The nicknames worked then because those folks didn't really have 
much of a record or as much passion as I see out of Ron DeSantis. And, and this happened to me yesterday. I'm almost Sandra, I'm sorry, earlier this week with Sandra Smith, where all I did was have this conversation like we have now in terms of a poll that came out that showed that DeSantis and Trump are basically within the margin of error. Uh, of each other uh, in, in a CNN poll that came out recently. And just even a couple of months ago, DeSantis wasn't even within 20 points of the guy, and now he's basically tied. And all I said was, wow, that's pretty telling that DeSantis appears to be going in this direction, and he hasn't even declared his candidacy yet. And then I talked about how DeSantis has a record to run on, like I just mentioned before. Crime is at a 50-year low in Florida. Unemployment in Florida is at 2.5%. That is well below the average. And obviously, the educational issue that we talked about. So he's racking up all these wins, seems to have the momentum. Not that Donald Trump doesn't have a story to tell, too, in terms of the trade deals that he made when he was president very much not talked about enough. Obviously, the economy was as great as it's ever been probably since Reagan, and we were at peace. So if Trump sticks to telling the story about his record, I think he'd be much better served than going after DeSantis for saying Florida was closed for too long, for example, which no one in Florida would tell you that is the case. And then the, the nicknames Ron DeSanctis. I mean, I don't even know what that means. I guess it's short for sanctimonious, but I don't watch DeSantis and get sanctimony out of him. I, I get a guy who was a war uh, veteran and a guy who just won a state by 19 points. So it's going to be one hell of a fight. But if you even say anything positive about DeSantis, they all come for you on social media. It's quite remarkable. Trump supporters, the core, core ones, are the most insecure people I have ever encountered because they're, you can't say anything nice about anybody else. They see it as a, a, some sort of cons conspiracy attack against their guy. But again, Trump, run on the issues. Do what you did with East Palestine. Go out there and show you care. And then I think he's much, that's the good Trump. That's the Trump that people like to see, not this one that's attacking Ron DeSantis over things that, quite frankly, are not landing. Well, what I want to hear from Donald Trump, and I've said this over and over again, because I keep getting this argument. It's like I cannot get through to some people that I get it, they're Trump loyalists, but I'm, I'm having this frustration because they say, listen, we need Donald Trump and then we can have Ron DeSantis later. And I tell them, what you're doing is you're assuming that whoever our nominee is just going to win. You're not taking into account that we could lose. So you need to put up yeah. the candidate that can win. And if we look at Donald Trump and we're like, you know what? There's so many things, right or wrong, fair or unfair, that the left is gonna weaponize against him, not to mention their incredible voting machine that we don't have. Okay, we yeah. need to figure out who's going to win in 2024. It's not a matter of if we could just place somebody in the White House and then in 2028 we could just place Ron DeSantis. We don't do that. We're not Democrats. We don't have the machine. We don't have the voter strategy that they have. So what I want to hear from Donald Trump is how you're going to get people out to early vote. I want to hear about in the states where it's yeah. legal. I want to hear about how you're going to ballot harvest where it's legal. I want to hear about how you're going to get voter registration up. That's what I want to hear. And then your policies. I don't want to hear that Florida's sunny and beautiful and there's an ocean and that's why people moved there, not because of Ron DeSantis. I'm frustrated with that argument. I don't blame you. Yeah. And if, if 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 the whole thing is, well, Florida, people are only flocking there because of the weather and the sun. Well, wouldn't they also go to California? Because that has nice weather and an ocean and, and sun, and they're flocking out of there instead to go to Florida. A, a couple of things to unpack there. Uh, I think it was John F. Kennedy, 1960, right? They were saying, don't run this time around. They wanted another candidate. You're still young. You could just run in 1964. And Kennedy said, you know what? 
they'll forget about me by then. Right. And you know when your moment is here. And DeSantis clearly is at his peak right now in terms of just winning re-election like we just talked about in a blowout. And not just winning it by running up the score with his core supporters, but also winning in Democratic counties, right? Winning Hispanics, winning women, suburban women particularly. And that's where Trump runs into a problem. When in 2016, he got those blue-collar Democrats, those independents, because they liked the fact he wasn't your, your typical politician. He was going to shake up the swamp and bring, most importantly, jobs back to the U.S., manufacturing back. And that's what got him those victories in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, the blue wall, it used to be called. And then in 2020, he got away from that. And now ever since then, he's not talking about the next election. He's still talking about 2020 and how it was stolen. And people don't want to hear it anymore. Even if you believe that, you want to know, what are you going to do to make my life better? What are you going to do to correct this disaster of an administration in terms of what they've done on inflation and crime and the border and education? Talk about that and you'll be home. But instead, it's either attacking DeSantis, talking about 2020, and I just don't see it as a winning strategy, Tommy. And again, I want to hear how he plans to win. I want to hear how he plans to go against the mainstream media and the Democrat yeah. machine, their ground game. I want to hear about his email list. I want to hear about all these things where he says, hey, look, I got this much money in the bank. I have an email list this long. This is why I can win. I have a ground game that's going to be stronger than ever. We're going to win. Even if you, whatever you think about 2020, we're still going to win. We're going to overcome all the obstacles. That's what I want to hear from Trump. But I want to go a completely different direction to wrap this up. Sure. Um, the Biden administration, they're not going after crime. They're not going after inflation. Um, they're not going after the border invasion, but they are going after washing machines. And, you know, again, these efficiency standards are like, listen, we always have efficiency standards. Yeah, but 96% of the washing machines on the market wouldn't meet your standards. Again, yeah. do you think that this is going to be a winning argument? You think the average American thinks, you know what, what we really need to do is get rid of our appliances. <laughs> right. Stoves, washing machines. It's so funny because what they want to do is have washing machines use less water when it cleans your clothes. Now, when you do that, and literally there's a washing machine about 10 feet away from me before I sat down to talk to you, Tommy. My wife's like, oh, my God, I just put on the washing machine. Is that OK? Because you're about to do this interview. I said, ah, Tommy's casual. It's cool. And I don't think they could hear it over there. But but here's the point, though. If you don't run enough water through the washing machine, all that's going to happen is people are going to take their clothes out and be like, eh, these stink. I'll wash it again. So this will end up having a negative effect on what the end goal here is. Bottom line is, look, you can't ban gas stoves because let's say you want to open a restaurant. you got to use an electric stove. A, it doesn't cook food remotely as well. And B, it's going to run up your bills to the point where you're going to have to charge so much back to the customer that you're not going to get the kind of business that you need, right? So nothing's grounded in reality. Like in California, Let's go to electric cars. By 2035, you can't buy a gas car in California. Well, how am I going to charge that car exactly if I'm living in an apartment building? Anybody want to answer that question? i got a 1,000 people in my apartment building. Does that mean I have a 1,000 chargers there? And I, right. There's already enough traffic in California. Uh, and, and now people are going to be breaking down because their charges are going to go well, out Joe, from you their hit cars. The nail on the head. Make it worse? You hit the nail on the head. This is not about electric cars. This is about convincing people not to drive. That's what this is about. And by looking at, you know, I can't put all Democrats into one category, but I can put some of the super liberals in a category. And I might say this, Joe, I don't know if they really care that their clothes smell. I'm not sure. I mean, I've seen some of those BLM rallies, the Antifa rallies. I've seen some of, you know, yeah. the, the Democrat rallies. And I'm not really sure that clean clothes are, are really that important to the Democrats. So, you know, maybe this is a winning strategy.
Wow. Single Tommy would never date an Antifa person, not just for the ideology, but for your right. They don't look like hygiene's much of a priority. So I, I, I think, think ending so. it there is, is a good way to go. A public service announcement. Shower twice a day like I do. Once in the morning, once when you get back from the gym. And the wife... You know, I'm I'm still I'm still lovable in her eyes at this point. Well, there, well, that's a perfect message, and you know, I hope that you're going to bring all of this zest into sink or swim tomorrow night sure. because I'll see you there. This is pop culture based, so Joe, I know that you keep your eye on the prize when it comes to media and pop culture, but I don't know if you watch Bravo. So if there's any Bravo questions, Joe, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, all up here. But I will see you tomorrow if night. It's Real Housewives of Jersey. Yeah, you're in trouble. But otherwise, I'm, I'm screwed. So <laughs> may the best man or woman win, Tommy. Great to see you again. Well, I just really wish you wouldn't assume my gender, Joe. But we'll discuss that tomorrow night. <laughs> All right. Good All right. to see Bye. you. Bye. <laughs> Up next, I'm sick of the religion of rainbow and those who think we ought to worship it. And my final thoughts are next. The Rainbow Mafia is growing stronger by the day as liberals literally bow to their psychosis. It's time for Final Thoughts. The radical arm of the LGBTQXYZ blah 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 movement, the Rainbow Mafia as they call them, has convinced an entire segment of humans, mostly liberals, to bow down and kiss their rainbow and it's downright pathetic. Allow me to give you just a few examples from this week alone. This one I'm about to play for you might be the most pathetic of all. Watch as Drew Barrymore literally gets on a knee to worship this fake woman, Dylan Mulvaney. Watch this. There is so much hatred directed to the trans community right now. It's everywhere. And I think the greatest weapon that I can contribute is trans joy and comedy and talking about hard, you know, subjects and really intricate moments of a transition and try to let everybody in to see that, you know, I'm not a monster. I'm not somebody that, you know, um, is trying to, to do anything but be myself. It's interesting because I look at someone like you and I can't imagine anybody disliking you. Oh, please. Do you know, do you want to know, ironically, who uh, dislikes me the most sometimes? Who? Myself. Oh, me too. Oh. So that jerk has made a career out of mocking actual women as if we're nothing more than high heel wearing bimbos and Drew Barrymore is going to get on a knee for him? This is some twisted stuff, folks. Like, are we in the Twilight Zone here? Same thing with Lil Nas X, a gay rapper, by the way, who is now apologizing to the trans community for tweeting out this photo of social media influencer Glow Princess with the caption, the surgery was a success. And then the Rainbow Mafia went nuts and accused him of mocking the transitioning process. You know, at first, Lil Nas X defended himself, saying what we can all see, the chick looks like him. But then he reversed course and apologized for offending the mob. So let's get that straight. A gay man is now apologizing to the mob for not being woke enough. That mob, by the way, represents 0.1% of Americans, and yet they've convinced at least half of the country to bow down to their BS. You know what? Be trans. I don't give a damn. But what you will not do is make the rest of the people in this country cower, bow, and bend to whatever woke whim you're force-feeding us this week. And for the avoidance of doubt here, let me make something else very clear. I'm a female. I'm not a cis female, whatever the hell that is. Do not add your BS to my biology. Take your cis and shove it. And that also goes for our grifting president, who has been instructed by whatever green-haired Gen Zer in his office that's pulling his strings this week to normalize gender dysmorphia and the coax mutilation and medication of children.
It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. Yes, the whole point, premise, and plan of this radical LGBTQ movement is for kids to wake up and not know what the hell they are, then be coaxed into taking drugs or cutting off body parts in the discovery process. We cannot allow this administration, the Democrat Party, or the Rainbow Mafia to normalize this crap. It's child abuse. We will be remembered in history by how we protect children, and this ain't it. And those are my final thoughts. Be sure to tune in tonight to Hannity, 9 p.m. Eastern. I will be there live in New York City. But from Nashville, God bless and take care.